Hello, welcome to Millennials and Money Cafe, where we create events to empower, inspire, and motivate millennials to love, live, and matter. I'm your host, Marilyn O'Malley at FromMarilynO'Malley.com, and I coach rising, sensitive, and creative entrepreneurs and professionals who are struggling with being seen and heard and knowing their value to make a difference in the world to stand out. Um, empowered, liberated, and happy. And so I want you all to know that you and your actions matter. And today I have an incredible guest with me that I think you all are going to be very excited about. Her name, oh, I should have asked you, I'm sorry. Lee, how do you say your last Ah, name? Lee Carraher. Lee Carraher, and she is an acclaimed communication strategist known for her practical solutions to big problems. She's the CEO of a thriving agency. She founded in 2002 to work with great people doing great work for good companies. Lee's an author, a speaker, a trainer, and a doer, and she's here to share what she's learned the hard way to help reduce the drama in the workplace. And her friends call her the millennial whisperer. And she has written, um, what's the the name of your book? Uh, Millennials in Management, The Essential Guide to Making It Work at Work. So welcome, Lee. Marilyn, it's so great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. And I'm really excited for those millennials that are going to listen. I read your book. Um, I thought it was fabulous. I think it's one of the most well-rounded, excuse me, books on millennials um, that I've read. Uh, I think that uh, what I loved is that you are so embracing of the transformation that has to happen in um, all of us uh, working together, all the different generations mm-hmm. and different perceptions that come with each of those generations. And I actually, I, I want to read the last paragraph that you wrote in your book because I think <laughs> this is beautiful. In the end, it's all about people. No one builds a company or a career alone. We are all in this together. And by bridging the gap between the generations and honoring the strengths we all bring to the table, millennials and management can co-create a future-proof business in which people of all ages will flourish. I I, I just thought, oh, that just encompasses your your whole book. And um, so why don't we share, uh, Lee, if you would, how did you get interested in millennials? Sure. (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you for reading all the way to the end. That's wonderful. I really appreciate that. Um, I got interested in millennials when I failed with millennials. So my company is um, uh, in San Francisco. We have offices in in New York and in Boston. And in 2009, when the economy tanked, uh, at that time, the company was seven years old, and we only hired people who had at least 10 years of experience. So um, by definition, they were probably 32 to 35-year-olds on the bottom. That was the, the youngest person we had in the company. In 2009, when everything crashed down, I reconsidered the business model for the company, which you should always do every time an economic you know, tidal wave comes across you, either in your own business or in the whole economy. You need to look at your business model and say, okay, what's not going to work in the next you know, in the next economy. 
And it was uh, abundantly clear to me that I needed to start uh, growing my own and meaning hiring young people and bringing them um, through the channels and getting, you know, teaching people what I do for a living. Um, And I hadn't really didn't have a thought about it because in my previous job, I'd worked for a very, very large um, multinational media company where I had over 700 people, half of more than half of which were under the age of 30. Um, so they were Gen Xers at the time. And um, I didn't think about it at all. Everyone wanted to work with me. I had a huge group. People over the company were like, you know, Lee, can you come talk to me about how you get these young people on board, blah, blah, blah. So it didn't really occur to me that I would have a problem. And then I did have a problem. <laughs> I hired um, six millennials. So millennials today, in, in 2016, millennials are 16 to 36. Um, that's it's, it's a pretty wide range, you know, right. 20 years. But 16 to 36, that's what um, the sense, you know, that's what the government calls Gen Y or millennials. And um, I hired six millennials um, within, I don't know, eight weeks of each other. And within three months, they were all gone. And either I had had to, either I or someone who worked here, had had to escort them to the door or they had walked out the door. And in my career, I have wow. never had 100% value in recruiting. I'm known for recruiting. I'm known for identifying great talent and bringing them on board and keeping them and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, six in, six out, I was shell-shocked. And one or two people could be, you know, I've never been perfect. No one's perfect at recruiting. I've never, you know, Mm -hmm. I've had a couple of bad eggs or not bad eggs, just bad fits, right, Mm -hmm. Um, in my career. But six all at the same time, 100%. And we're only 36 people. So that's not a lot. You know, that's Mm -hmm. a full, and you know, we can see each other. So. I mean, it's not like they're behind a door. You can't see them. And right. so six, I mean, 100% failure. And I really, that was a body, a body blame to me. Mm. Um, and so one of them could be their fault. Two of them might be their fault. But six could not be their fault. That had to be my fault. That had to be my company's, like, what were we doing wrong, uh-huh. you know? So um, I started looking into it. And that's when I found out there was such a thing as millennial because I had no idea. Um, I was totally oblivious to the entire conversation about millennials that was happening um, mm-hmm. out there in 2000. This is now 2010, 2011. And uh, totally oblivious. And um, so, oh, great, all these resources. So I started reading them. I started reading the articles. I started reading some books, started listening to people. And I was overwhelmed with how negative it all was. Mm-hmm. And today, you cannot, you know, if you Googled it today, you'd probably get and I haven't done it in a few weeks, but I should do it now, but probably two or three million and million negative entries about working with millennials, either in your own company or as partners or as clients or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there aren't that many positive things. I mean, it is overwhelmingly negative. And I am not a real negative person. I'm a very positive person. I'm definitely a half glass full person. Mm -hmm. And I just cannot wake up every day and just be dreading going to work. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work by myself. I'm terrible at it. I have a company. We're not virtual. You know, we, we all sit together. People can work from home, but you know, I'm coming to work and I'm just dreading looking at my email. Well, that is not a recipe for success. So what I started doing was like, basically I put aside all that reading um, that I'd done if it was negative and I started doing my own <clears throat> and I started 
interviewing people, people who had failed here, people who um, and other and other people, any millennial I could talk to, you know, what makes you tick, you know, and not everybody. And it is a sweeping generalization to say all millennials are the same. However, out of that became some insight that we started applying in the company. And the insight, um, well, my the bottom line is, like you read in the last that last paragraph of the book, is frankly, if we can find a way to work with millennials positively, everybody benefits. Mm-hmm. Boomers benefit, Gen X benefits, silence generate, you know, everyone benefits. Mm-hmm. However, if we don't find a way to work positively with millennials, we will fail because a business without a millennial is a business without a future. And we need to be positive about it. Otherwise, you know, as entrepreneurs, there's enough problem mm-hmm. <laughs> making our business work right. without just, you know, having internal strife around, you know, um, misunderstandings between the, between the generations. So that is the very long story about how I came into being interested in it. And then when I was, so we, we sort of cracked the code and it's not, it's not, it's simple, but it's not necessarily easy all the time, right? Because it's people. Right. Um, but it is pretty simple. Um, and I was talking with somebody else, like, you need to share this. And, and and all of a sudden, half my business was turning into, the work that I do every day with clients was turning into this, oh my gosh, Lee, I had these millennials, we had the millennial customers, we had these millennials employees, I, can't, I don't know what to do with them. So about half my time was being spent in this topic just by accident. And... Um, my friend said, you need to write this book. And it wasn't really my intention to write the book. And I actually hate the title because it in- implies that millennials aren't management. And that's just so far from the truth because more often than not today, particularly in California, millennials are management and millennials, you know, kind of thing. Right. They're 36 and 37 years old. I mean, hello. Right. <laughs> right. I was managing at 28. So um, so I don't really like the title. It wasn't my choice. Um, but my, pu- my publisher and I came to an agreement that if they chose the title, then I could keep the format. And the format of the book, as you've read, is at the end of every chapter, I have do's and don'ts for both groups. Yes, you know, which I people love. People who are managers and people who are being managed. And they really didn't want to do that. My <gasps> publisher really didn't want to do that. And they said, you have to write a book for one audience. And I said, well, if I have to write a book for one audience, then I'm not writing a book. Because the problem with business books is only one group reads it and right. they come out of a training and they're speaking a different language and the people around them are going, what the heck just happened? You know? Right, right. So the book is actually meant to be read. I mean, I, I hope it's useful for individuals, but it's also very much meant to be read by teams. Yeah. Well, I, I love the format and I thought that that, that was one thing that I really loved about your book was the do's and don'ts for, for both, from both perspectives mm-hmm. and that, but also that you, you were showing the bigger picture, not mm-hmm. just the, the little picture and, in, and in, in which like that last paragraph that I read, how it supports each other. And I'm, I'm, I, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking, God, you know, it's like, communication is everything and that's what you get in this book but I was thinking you know that it's just how the millennials have ended up communicating you can see why there's a disconnection absolutely Mm -hmm. and um, so maybe speaking a little bit to that and how uh, bridging that gap uh, in in the communication because it's not because either 
that there's a there's a something wrong with either side. It's just they're they're not they're they're not looking at each other. No, exactly. <laughs> and they're not speaking to each and other. And they're not speaking to each other. You know, I think it's you know, it's not that one is better than the other, right? The millennials and right. there are three different sets of millennials just to break it down even further. You know, so to this year, six, 2016, 16 to 36. So the millennials who are 29 to 36, these people came into the marketplace, into the job market after 9-11. Mm-hmm. They've never, as adults, they don't know ever going to the gate to pick up somebody at the airport. They are used to a whole different set of um, privacy and security um, constructs than their Gen X um, counterparts or their boomer counterparts. This is normal to them, you know. Right. Boomers still forget to bring out their ID when they're going into a big business office. Yeah. <laughs> right? uh-huh. it's like, please get out your ID. You know, millennials just you know have it in their hip pocket and they right. flash it up. You know, they're very. It's quick. on their phone. <laughs> I mean, hello, right? Yeah, right. The next set is twenty, about twenty three to twenty seven, twenty eight this year, and these people came into the um, job market after two thousand. And eight two thousand and nine, and there are still millennials who are educated and have just wonderful experiences who are still waiting to get the jobs that their their um, education should have afforded them because yes. the economy just you know just imploded and there was no place for them to go. Yep. At, this is actually the largest set of millennials of eighty million people. The largest percentage are in this group. Mm-hmm. So you know the economy's tanking. Boomers are staying in jobs longer than they wanted to. Xers are stuck. The millennials are flooding out of college mm-hmm. and they can't find work. Right. And so this group, this this middle group, has really been tremendously impacted by um, just mm-hmm. things that are totally out of the control. Um, and then the youngest group is 16 to 20, 22, somewhere in there, you know, they're still in school, right? And they're learning totally different than that first group, right? The iPad did not exist in the classroom for the oldest set of millennials. Right. Well, now iPads are pervasive or tablets, you know, are pervasive. People have phones, all that kind of stuff. And they're learning totally, you know, Khan Academy did not exist for that first set of millennials. Mm -hmm. Khan Academy, the video system, you know, the videos that are teaching kids, you know, how to do stuff. Anyone can learn anything. You're watching videos at home and doing your homework in the, in the, in the classroom. It's totally upside down. So it has very different experience, right? Right. So that's just to give you a sense of the three sets. So there's also, in the, within the within the millennial generation, there's three sets of people and some some clashing in between the two of them, in between each group. Mm-hmm. Um, from a communication point point of view, you know, the millennial generation has had a tremendous tremendous advantage of technology. Um, at the same time, um, uh, at the same time, even though business has a lot of technology in it, right? When you get into a business situation. Um, a lot of business is more legacy technology, and this is just to be the very basic thing, right? right? Some college students get out of college never having printed out a piece of paper, <laughs> never having printed out. I haven't thought of that. Right? They, they work in Google Docs. They yes. work in the cloud together. Yeah. You know, um, just the other day, this um, we have a new person here. He hasn't he hasn't been um, gone through all the training yet because it takes two weeks to go through our training. Mm-hmm. But he sent um, someone on the team a draft. Well, the draft was a link to a Google Doc. Well, that's not a draft, right? Mm, <laughs> and if yeah. you if you don't have this moment of time that says, 
oh, that's how he used to work. He's used to working in Google Docs. He's used to looking at 19 different colors of all the different, you know, edits on the thing, right? Right. You know, that is not a draft to me. And if my point of view is, my God, print out the damn piece of paper, and I will give you comments on it. If that's your point of view and you get a link, well, you're just going to be offended. Right, right, right. And I think a lot of it has to do with that, right? Yes. Just yes. setting my expectation. My my definition of a draft is mm. a piece of paper with no comments on it. Please mm. give that to me. I will comment on it, and I will give it back to you. Um, so these definitions of things, when you are afforded te- the t- technology that millennials have just grown up with, it's you know we are going to have a moment in time where a baby comes out of the womb with an iPhone <laughs> attached. <laughs> To the arm, right? It's going to happen. Um, where the Gen Xers and the Boomers, um, although I think particularly those, I mean, I think you know we're working. I think Boomers, if you're gonna if you're gonna be relevant, you're gonna be technology savvy, right? Yeah. Um, but in, until you retire, particularly if you're younger Boomer like you and I are, fifty to yeah. sixty, you know, that's the, we're all thinking we're going to be working for a long time. Yeah. So I just think it's a definition problem. And it, yeah. so from the boomer perspective, sending me a link to a Google doc is rude. This is not rude from a millennial perspective. This is, I've done the work. I'm going to send you the link. Here you go. Right. You know, and it, it, that is just at the basis of it is that, is that piece, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first thing you can do if you're, um, if you've been given a something to do, right, and you have to deliver it, is to ask the question, what format do you want it in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What does that mean here? What does a draft mean here? Or what does, do you want to see all the colors in the comments? Or should I accept them? You know, whatever it is. Like, what does that look like? So if the the other person on the other side, either it's a partner or a client, you know, this happens all the time with entrepreneurs and they're in service organizations. They send their client something that is totally, from their from the client's point of view, totally unreasonable. Why are you sending me some, you know? Right. Why am I doing all this work to do the work that you just did for me? Because they just work differently. You know, they were older. They didn't come up in this uh, cloud situation. And I see that as well within organizations that are in the cloud. You know, everything's in the cloud. But still, unless you have an understanding of um, of what each thing means, then you can you can create havoc without even trying. Right. So how can uh, the millennials uh, that are going either going into a a new job Mm -hmm. uh career or that are there or have already started and they're 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 struggling with their Mm -hmm. um baby boomer employer Mm -hmm. um what are some some tips that you can give them i think when you're starting in a new position uh in a company the first you're going to see a million things that can be improved that you can improve. You're going to see them all, right? You're like, oh my gosh, they could cut out five hours here. They could cut out, why are we all these middlemen? You know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, my first recommendation to you is just to sit tight. <laughs> Make a list of them all. Put them in a Google Doc yourself. Put them on Evernote, whatever. <laughs> Make a list of all the things that you think can be improved. Um, the day one or the week one is not the day or the week to say, I think I can help you. Mm-hmm. We hired you because we know you can help us, right? Um, and you just may not know all of the dependencies, right? Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so my first recommendation is, you know, sit tight. My second recommendation is do it their way first, right? Just just learn their way first. Don't try to reinvent the wheel, even though you know you can save time. Just do it their way first. And then once you've done it their way, do it your way and see if you get the same answer, right? Because often there might be, there might be dependencies, particularly, you know, if you're working with people who have a lot of compliance, you know, and fine, you know, if there's compliance issues, you may not see all the things you have, the boxes you have to check. You, you may not even be told, like, you have to check that box or we don't get paid or whatever, those kind of things. Right. So just do it your their way first and then do it your way. Do you get the same answer? Well, then you can, sh- then, it, then that's the time, you know, maybe a month in, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> to say, you know, Sally, I've... Um, this work, I think I found a way that we can um, get a little more streamlined. Can I, I'd love to share it with you. I've done everything the way the process, our process, but I've also, I did it my, you know, I I looked for ways to improve the streamlining and I think I've found a way to get 20 minutes out of this. Can I share it with you? You know, if you approach it that way, one, you're honoring the system that exists, right? Mm -hmm. And you're, you're bringing um, help. You're bringing help to the person you're working with instead of what older people often feel is, who the heck does she think she is? She wants, <laughs> she comes in, she wants to change everything, doesn't she? Know? You know, uh-huh. and you just, you know, you're just putting people on the edge. You don't mean to. I don't think people, anyone means to do that, but that is, that is a natural recourse. So for new people, that's my first thing. Do it their way first, and then, you know, and then bring, um, and bring your solution to the people you're working with and saying, hey, I have, I've, done, I've done it both ways. I have some thoughts on how we can streamline this. Mm-hmm. I'd love to help. I'd love to set up a time to talk to you about that. That's the other piece, right? Because we uh, millennials have had tremendous access, they are one click away from everybody on the planet. Every piece of information they think they want, all, all this stuff, right? They grew mm-hmm. up with just having amazing access to people, to things, to, to information, that um, in the old world, your and I's world, Marilyn, was, yeah. you know, benefit of hierarchy, right? The higher up you went, the more information you got. Well, today, millennials know more than we do about our businesses. I'll just tell you that, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and they're used to having tremendous access. So probably day one, you don't want to just drop in on the bus, right? Right. <laughs> you know, I don't sit, my office is uh, open floor plan, so there's no office. But, you know, some uh-huh. people still have doors. You know, right. probably the first day is not to say, hey, I'm here. What you doing? What's going right. on? I'd love to talk to me in my future. I'm like, who is this person? Right. That happens uh-huh. all the time. So, you know, not the first day is to do that. But, you know, absolutely getting on someone's calendar for sure. They expect I think today people, you know, people expect that leaders expect that their um, millennial staff will want to have access to them. And, but you, yeah. they need to have contextual access. They have other things going on in their lives other than yourself. So, you know. Uh, one way to get there is to say, you know, dear John, I'm so I'm so excited to be have joined the company. I've been here now for three or four weeks, um, and um, super pumped. Whatever it is, and I'd love to share with you. You know, I'd love to get your thoughts on what the vision is for the company because, you know, mm-hmm. probably you didn't start the job without understanding what the vision of the company was. Millennials, this is so, so important. Right. That boomers and Xers do not understand still. I, right. I mean, that's the first thing I do with all my boomer and Xer workshops. Like, do you know, can you say the vision of the company? 
and half of them can't. Well, don't expect to be able to hire them anyway. Um, you know, but to, to give them a point, you know, give them a heads up. Don't just pop in, right? Give them a right. heads up. I'd love to get on your calendar. Nine times out of ten, you're going to get the time. But they're going to need some some context, right? They're probably going to reach out and go, who is this person? Right. They're going to say, what are they they here for? How are they doing? How's their first week, first, three, first three weeks go at the same time? So, you know, yeah. th- those are easy ways to get on. For the people who have been there for a while, you're still feeling this, you know, tension, right? Um, you, and you probably, you should, you know, the word should is so dangerous, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, it's so full of judgment. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to say, you shouldn't have to do this, but I'm just going to say do this, right? Okay. You be the grown-up, right? Mm-hmm. You be the grown-up. You go, you know, you go to, you know... Again, Sally, who's, you know, a little bitter, you think, you think she's giving you attitude and just say, love, can you and I just um, have an hour to talk about how things are going? And don't expect them to be able to say yes right then, right? I would love to, in the next couple of weeks, I would love for us to sit down and just talk about how things are going and how, you know, feedback you can give me and all this kind of stuff. Because then that gives them time to think rationally and not just react and blow up on you. And two, um, that's really mature, right? Mm-hmm. That is that is the sign of a mature colleague that reaches out and says, I'd love to get, you know, really understand how things are going and I observations but i really you know want to work with you better and then when you when you start that meeting start with an agenda which is you know my agenda here is i feel like there's some friction between us i feel like there's um some uh misunderstandings and i i don't know how that happened but i i want to sort of solve that and how can um one how can you know do you feel the same but how can we make it better how can we co-create where compromises can you both make um, to get to a good end. And when you do that, right, it's it's an olive branch, but it's also a very mature, um, you know, advanced, I don't know what the word is, um, you know, colleague, respectful, co- that's what it is, respectful colleague behavior that you want to model um, and prove that you're not that millennial who's just like, you know, well, I don't know what she's doing, you know, <laughs> because... Right. There are, in every generation, you know, this generational thing, which I really, like I said, don't really like that much in terms of categorization. But, you know, it's not physically possible that all millennials are bad. It's not, it's just not true, right? Most people are good. 99% of people are good. Well, we have a lot of people around us, so, you know, 1% is a big number. But most people are good, um, but they sort of grade on each other if if they don't start out right. Yeah. Right, right. Well, and I see, um, so there's a couple things that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing from you and uh, also working with the millennials and mm-hmm. uh, hearing from them too that I, that I see is the creating clear boundaries. Yes. So respecting those for yourself and respecting those of the people that you work with and, mm-hmm. and your managers and bosses. Um, and then having the, the clear communication Mm-hmm. Um, so one of, one of the things I feel like is that, um, you know, c- cause you were talking, there's a lot of negativity and everything. And, and I have to say for one of the, uh, and you said in your book too, is, um, millennials love to be mentored. Millennials mm-hmm. love to learn. I get mm-hmm. uh, millennials coming to me to be, to be coached, uh, mm-hmm. you know, cause they're, they're like, 
I don't want to end up like the baby boomers or or my parents yeah. or somebody that's you know that they're stuck and they don't they don't like mm-hmm. what they're doing and they're um um they're dissatisfied they don't feel successful and so they're I see them as very or at least the ones I know and the ones mm-hmm. I've interviewed are very willing to get in there and do what needs to be done. Totally and, agree. And totally I, agree. And um, I actually see that baby boomers are, they don't want to change. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that is, that is such a problem. Yeah. Um, so my, my observation on millennials is, is, and everyone, I, this is like the second question people ask, right? Who's my mentor going to be when they start jobs? Mm. Um and it's a little bit different mentorship than the kind of mentorship that we would have sought. And particularly as women in the workplace, we sought different kinds of mentorship. Most of our mentors, if we were coming up in business, were men because mm-hmm. there weren't enough women to be our mentors. Right. Um, and it was to it was to achieve what those people achieved. Uh, millennials are more about crafting their own careers, defining their own success. They've learned early, early on what we learned later in life. Um, and I would say, um, and probably because their parents were talking to them the whole time, right? You know. Well, and well, also there's you know? so much more information now. Out. So you see, much more. You see, you know, top, um, you know, people in Ariana Huffington thrive. Yep. You know, yep. you have books from all the top so true. people saying, you know, don't sacrifice yourself. Don't, you know, do things mm-hmm. that you love and you're passionate about, and the right. money will follow. And da da da. When they're looking for mentors, they're looking for people where they can get input so they can create their own. Often, they might have a mentor that they don't want to emulate, but they want to learn from so they can avoid becoming the person yes. that they respect, but they don't want to be that person, right? right? Yes. Um, and this is a bit different, right? So it's a bit different when when we had mentors, we like, want to be like those people, right. and today we're being mentors. And they're not being us, right? So it's a very different kind of thing. Um, my experience is that millennials want a lot of input, but they also, um, they're, they expect, like I said, to craft their own careers. They've seen their parents lose everything or lose lots of money or not get their yes. pension, lose their jobs, lose, you know, in 2008, like I told some several sto- of these stories in my book, you know, people lost 40, 50% of their retirement um, funds. Well, at 65, if you were expecting to retire in, in 2008, 2009, uh, people are just starting to retire now in 2016 who thought they were going to retire in 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. So it's created an incredible um, compression on the entire economy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's just, it's just a little bit different, right? right. Um, and the other thing about mentor is that you can, also, you know, as a young person being mentored can be a mentor. And what I always suggest to um, mentor mentees is that the first thing they do for the first month together, even if they only see each other once in that month, is that they exchange reading lists. So you wake up in the morning and we read stuff, right? What do we read? Whatever it is. Some people read this, you know, get the skim email. Some people read HuffPost. Some people read the Atlantic, whatever it is. And that they exchange reading lists because we're so informed by what, the information we gather, and in today's world, we can gather what we want and don't have to look at anything we don't want, right? So we right. might have a very skewed point of view. Right. Um, and if we exchange reading lists, we will have a much better sense of who that person is we're in relationship with. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and our eyes will be opened to other things. I mean, guaranteed, guaranteed. And it's tremendously powerful because um, you just have a better sense. You just have a better sense of the person. Like, oh, well, no wonder they think that. Or, oh, that's what they're talking about. Or whatever that last hashtag was or whatever, you know. Anyway, so those kinds of things. And, that, and the other piece of that, too, is that mentors can be, mentees can be mentors. You know, is there anything I can help you with? You yeah. should ask that of your mentor. Ask that. Ask your mentor that. Is there anything I can help you with? You know, and your mentor might say, "Can you help me with my iPhone? Yes. <laughs> can you help me with?" Can, you know, I don't know how. I don't understand how. You know, Evernote works, or you know, they might ask you those questions, and then you know, don't. So my father, who's seventy-seven this year, you know, just turned seventy-seven. He still, call, you know, he calls me. He can't get his phone to work. Well. I'm rolling my eyes every time he calls. Well, here's what I'm going to say to you. If, if your mentor asks for technical help, don't roll your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But there's lots you can teach. You yeah. Can, just by what you read, just where you yeah. get your information from, I guarantee you a mentee who shares their, rent, their reading list is going to open the eyes of, the, of their mentor immediately. And that you're, you know, again, and it's like collaboration. We're not against each other. It's like, no. how, how can we? And I, I, I really feel like the millennials are here to stir up the pot, to Absolutely. look at the world in a different way. And how can we do things, yes, more efficiently and um, be more productive or be, you know, be greener or be more mm-hmm. conscious or, but, um, but. But it is like you're talking about. It takes it to, to like you've got to. The millennials just can't come into a new environment and and want to revamp it without understanding what the foundation is and what is the goal and the mission of the the company. And then how then how can you help them right. create that? And so just coming in and not making not taking the environment or not respecting the environment and the already the amount of energy that's gone in to create it, that they're there hiring you, um, is a a disadvantage. And, um, I think it is. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, um, I think millennials have been, have been educated in a way that, and parented in a way that has, um, led to a understand an understanding that I can make a difference in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is frustrating for millennials who then show up into the workplace and go, why can't I be in the client meeting or why can't right. I, you know, do, do this or why, you know, I thought I was going to be able to do stuff. I actually did, um, I did a workshop at, uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue earlier this or in oh. late, late last year and that is their and they were talking about their interns and you know and interns um you know who get very frustrated they're only there for three or four months but they get very frustrated because they thought I, they were going to you know walk with the president well right <laughs> the first thing to do right is to the fir- in the first week right you need to be saying you know if you if if you start a job or you have, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, right? So I know a lot of your listeners are have their own companies, right? right. If you're an entrepreneur and you have your own company, the first, I would just say to you, in the first week, setting expectations for your new people, no matter how old they are, doesn't have anything to do with age, right. is the most important thing you can do. 
so that you can say, you know, here, here's the expectation. Here's what our job is here. Here's my expectation for you. In the first three months, here's what we hope you to achieve. And this often, this the first three months, the first three months, how about the first three days? You know, there's a thing, well, it's going to take you a while to get used to this kind of place or whatever that is. And then you have an advantage to say, so what are your hopes and dreams for the first, your first year here? Mm-hmm. Right. And then you'll be able to identify if, they, if hopefully you'll um, hear from them what they expect. Well, often your expectations and a new graduate's expectations are very far apart. Yeah. And if you can identify them in the first five days of somebody's employment, you have a much better chance, a much better chance of keeping that person long term. Then if you just let them keep going, if you don't know, they get frustrated, you get frustrated, and then something happens, right? Right. And this is, this is how I failed those six people, those six people who, you know, didn't make it. Mm-hmm. This is how we failed them. Mm-hmm. We didn't sit them down and say, here are our expectations of a high, well, this is what a high bar means to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they thought they were going to have totally different jobs than they had. Well, that was a failure of communication, that's for sure. Yeah. So big. In process, because I grew up saying, I'll do whatever they tell me to. Right. I had a job. They told me to do something. I did it. Of right. course, we do, we, we do so much better work when we know why the heck we're doing something. Right. Millennials expect to understand the context. It's, they ask the question why more than anybody except for three-year-olds. And I don't mean that in a bad way mm-hmm. at all. I mean that in a very respectful way. That says they, they want to know why. Why, 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 why? Well, that's right. very irritating to someone who never got to ask the question why. Yes. But if we, when we understand that we do a better job, we just say to ourselves, I did a better job when I understood why. Of course I want to tell you why, you know, and not just take it as a burden, but take it as actually unburdening your work, unburden, you know, actually making, alleviating some stress. Right. Then um, both sides do a much better job. Yeah. Well, and like you said, some, some managers and business owners don't know the why, and that's why they get exactly. irritated. <laughs> Well, exactly, right? You know, it's like a parent, you know, and the kid's asking why, and they don't have the answer. It's like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and it does become, just do what I said, right? Yes. yes. When I started this company, when I started hiring people, my husband, um, who is, um, I'm the chief bacon officer in in my household, and he's the chief home officer. Mm -hmm. He works half-time. He's a social worker Mm half-time. And um, he gave me... I was having, you know, he gave me this steel bar that said, just because I said so. Uh, and I was like, this is really nice, but that's not going to work with this group. You know, uh, <laughs> that worked really well with my group. Just do it because I said so. Okay. Right, right. This does not work. This no. does, does not work with the no. uh, millennial generation. Right. And I think, you know, and, and the millennials are to know, you know, I think that that's great because they are saying, just like you and I have been waking up to ourselves, like, why ha- Why didn't I ask? Why couldn't yeah. I ask for what I wanted? And why am I believing this? And why they're, they're doing that. Not only are they asking why for, you know, for their own knowledge, but I think it's also on the other end, whoever they're asking the why to, it's waking them up like, 
mm-hmm. oh, there's a reason, or maybe there isn't a reason. You know, why right. am I voting Democratic? <laughs> you know, why right. why am I voting Republican? You know, because my family did. Well, do I really believe in those values, or you know, right. is there a whole other way to do government? You know, and I think that that's what the millennials are. We can only hope. Yeah, we hope so. <laughs> we hope so. You know, they're sort of stirring up the pot, but there needs to be what I'm hearing from you is there is a process to do this so that there is communication and learning on both, both sides. sides. Both sides. Or it's on not, all sides. Yeah. Well, that it's there's not one person's responsibility to make it work. It is everyone's responsibility to make it work. Otherwise it won't work. Yeah. yeah. I mean people leave I, I interviewed this one woman in my book at the time she was twenty seven. She'd had five jobs. And um, on paper, it looked like the job that she had was actually a step down from her previous job. So I just asked her, I said, so why did you take this job? Um, it looks like you had a higher level job before because I knew that she hadn't gotten fired. And um, she said, you know, yeah, it might look that way. But at this job, everybody wants to know my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They actually listen to me. They may not do everything. She said, they don't do everything I asked to do, but they actually listen to me. And they tell me why we can't do something. Mm-hmm. And that respect, mm-hmm. the respect shown by asking asking someone's input, mm-hmm. you cannot underestimate how important that is. Yeah. You know, and that goes for, every, you know, the people who hate millennials the most are the millennials. 67% of millennials don't want to be called millennial. Like, they're not, right. you know, because it's so negative, right? Yes. So, um, you know, and all the time, I'm not, gonna, I'm not a millennial. I'm not one of those. I'm like, actually, millennial is just an age. It's not a... <laughs> It's not a label. It's not a label. Uh, well, it is a label, but not, not a, it's not. Label, but it doesn't, yeah. all it really does is tell you when you were born. Right. right. Um, so, you know, that's the first piece. And I also find um, millennials, you know, they get a bad rap for being me generation. And that is not my experience at all. I think mm. millennials are very much a we generation. Yes. And the fastest way you can um, put someone in the corner <laughs> in just in a fetal position is to tell them that they let the team down. If you say, you know, your work wasn't very good and I had to do it over again, you're not living up to your potential, you know, no one cares what you think my potential is. But if I say, you know, um, you dropped the ball, Marilyn, and um, everyone else had, your whole team had to pick up your slack and you let it all down. That is just a body blow. Mm -hmm. That's a body blow. Um, And it'll never happen again. Yeah. Whatever that was, it will never happen again. Without at least some dialogue, it will never happen again. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were talking uh, before uh, we started the call on how perfectionism is driving a lot of, uh, uh, influencing um, a lot of, of the millennials in the way that um, they're afraid to be self starters because they're afraid of doing things uh, wrong or they're they're needing a lot of instruction because they don't um, uh, initiators is the word that I wanted you know being self self motivated and and taking drive and where where in your book I read that a lot of the managers were saying they need constant mm-hmm. direction and I think because of depending on when they you know that they have grown up in a champion um, parenting experience, and and you know along with their peers about 
you know, to be the best, to get into the best colleges, to stand out. If you can't do something great the first time, then you're not good at it. Or there's oh, just, just so there's just all this this stress that's been on them mm-hmm. and expectations about for them to, you know, thrive and 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 you know, be. You know, I, I just think that there's been all this pressure and then they graduate right from school and then there's no jobs for them to go out and show how brilliant mm-hmm. they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're they're uh, you know, and it and and they're thinking because they can't find jobs, then they're not good enough. Because if they were good enough or perfect enough, then they would have all this stuff. And all of a sudden, they're having to move back home with their parents or, mm-hmm. you know, live, you know, uh, you know, share bedrooms and apartments with other people that they're not making and and they're they're not feeling great about themselves in, as as they were as a kid you know initially growing up until the reality has set in that mm-hmm. there's it's a competitive uh world and there isn't a lot available to them right now and that's why i see a lot or uh, a lot of them are turning to being entrepreneurial thinking Mm -hmm. of ways to be you know they are very creative very smart very Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of geniuses out there that are but um, the perfectionism is holding a lot of them back from really shining their light Mm -hmm. and yeah i think um perfection is the enemy (laughs) And, you know, I'm in uh, a group called Entrepreneurs Organization, which is sort of like YPO for entrepreneurs. Um, it's a worldwide organization, but 25 years old, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one thing we learn uh, when we get indoctrinated into the EO way is if you're waiting for perfection, you're too late, right? Um, and it's sort of antithetical to the Instagram world where everything is putting on filters and, you know, it looks mm-hmm. perfect and... You know, no one knows it took you 95 pictures to get that one one that worked really well. Right. And, you know, perfectionism is, you know, and entrepreneurs, particularly in technology, have learned the whole concept of the minimal viable product. Um, And we're used to today, you know, our economy, we're used to not getting things that are, we are used to getting things that are not perfect. Technology that's not perfect. I mean, every Tuesday, you're probably updating the apps on your phone. Right. Yeah. Because it's not perfect. They know there's a bug in there, but they're going to get it out there and get it working. And then, you know, um, if you like it, then you'll stick with it and you'll give feedback on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so sort of there's two way things on the technology side. We've become accustomed to not getting things that are perfect, uh, particularly so- software that's not perfect. Right. Hardware, we expect our hardware to work all the time, but our software we expect that there will be upgrades all the time. Right. And then. What the, and then we have the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchats yeah. of the world that's, that we're spending a lot of time cu- you know, curating our perfect lives, right? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. And it's a lot of pressure. Um, I think – and the other piece of that is to, we haven't done – parents have not done a great job. And education has not done a great job, which, in, you know, with the, everybody wins soccer and great mm-hmm. inflation and helicopter parenting. Mm-hmm. It's just not a great thing. My, If you're not an elite athlete – if you're not an elite musician or something yeah. else, right? You haven't had the opportunity to win, like real, right? Right. Um, win real, um, mm. and like I mean, my son, who is a my older son, who is um, a musician, 
you know, he actually goes to a boarding school for artists because where he where he is, his, he's he plays the organ of all things, the pipe organ. There wow. aren't that many no. there aren't that many kids who play the organ. So he goes to this school where there are other organists. Well, here everyone thought he was a rock star. Right there, he's one of the group. Right. And um, I think people who are high achievers, they want to be around other high achievers. So if you're not a high achiever, like naturally, um, when you're young, and a lot of us don't even come into our own until we're in our 30s. Right. <laughs> right? No. And you really haven't had the opportunity to compete for real. And I think this is a really, um, you know, this is not a good thing. Um, it's not a good thing. You haven't learned how to take criticism Take feedback that helps you improve in a way that actually moves you forward. And, and I, I know that sounds like a big generalization, um, but we see, you know, not everybody gets a trophy. You know, showing up is not a skill. There's no trophy. You know, there's no walk-up song when you walk right. in the door, right? <laughs> it's not like going to the home plate. Right, right. You right. know? Yes, yes. So, um, yes. but we have an education system and a sports system, like, a, you know, all these sports yes. systems that really have not, um, you know, it's wonderful until you're like in third grade. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but we haven't stopped it in third grade. I think that's a big problem. And I, I do see millennial parents, you know, parents sort of sliding back the other way, right? Yeah. We sort of see these generational swings. Yeah. Um, Which is confusing. Very. To them, you know? So it's like on one aspect, I'm, I'm, I'm brilliant. And then on the other, I'm not good enough. Yeah, and I think, you know, particularly when it's young, I think being the first four years out of college, no matter what generation you're in, are just so challenging, right? You're learning that, you're learning all about the fact that social promotion doesn't exist in the world. You're learning that just because you got, you go and you got to see, well, you're not getting a raise. What? You know, you're learning all these things. You're going at, hopefully going at, you're trying to go out on your own, right? Yes. I don't think most, I mean, people, like, the the millennials who live at home and thirty six percent of millennials live at home still working millennials thirty six percent of working millennials live at home and they some of them are taking advantage I mean mm-hmm. you know you see it yeah. but I think it's a very small I think it's a very small percentage a lot of it's the parents right and they're and they have tr- they're graduating with tremendous amounts of debt yeah oh yeah uh, and so you know how do you get out how do you start off on a right foot when you're starting with thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars worth of debt. Well, it's very challenging. So, the most important thing about living at home, if you're an adult, is participating in the home, um, and you know, not turning that into a positive, right? And then getting out when you can, right? Getting out when you can. We have a young woman in my office. Um, she, her father died a year ago. She got married last year, and she and her husband are living with her mom. Well, her mother's older. She's, you know, they were married for a very long time. Um, very close, close, close family. Culturally, it's the right thing to do. So they're living there. Um, and they'll leave eventually, but this is the right thing for them. But it, but she participates in the economy of their home, right? right. It's not like, it's not, I've interviewed many young people, mostly, well, I guess both men and women, um, who are living at home, not participating. And that's the first thing you can do never to get a job because right. people are going to ask you. So you're living at home. Awesome. How is that? Well, you know, I can't wait to leave, but I have debt and I'm waiting to get a job. Well, that makes sense. And I always ask the question, how are you participating at home? Are you paying rent? Are you um, 
you have a job? I, do you do chores? And if I get a no answer on those, I'm probably not very likely to hire that person. Mm. If I get the answer, yep, I, you know, I'm paying rent or what I've done is uh, my mom and I share the cooking duty or whatever it is, right? right? Where I hear people being a team player, like an adult, right? then that person will probably get, at right. least go to the next level. Right, right. So, But so. we should expect people to be living at home for a while. Yeah. Because this debt, my son is about to go into college next year. He's right yeah. in the middle of applications. Well, and we're fortunate because we um, were able to save from very young. But he'll have some. He'll have to get some sort of scholarship, you know, or debt or whatever it is. And we're just trying to minimize it, but at the same time, not have him uh, count on us for everything. Right. Right. No. And I was going to say even what you said for debt is very low. I mean, I know people, we, we could buy a, a few homes with their, oh, yeah. <laughs> with their debt. Absolutely. Um, so if yeah. you go get an MBA, if you go to med school, if you go to right. law school, you're, 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 you know, you're getting out yeah. into the world with just you know, crushing levels of debt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am, um, really, uh, Lee, I think that everybody should read this book because I just don't think even, you know, if you're, if you're working for somebody, if you're looking to, if you're an entrepreneur, if you, um, are managing, if you are a student looking to get into, uh, the workforce, um, it, really, it is so well-rounded and practical, as well as um, really showing these um, uh, perspectives of, of all sides. And I just think it's well thought out and, and um, really serves, serves everybody to read it. And as everybody's heard today, you know, she, uh, you know, you you have taken um a look very closely at uh what millennials uh bring into the workforce um and how they add to it and ah, so much and what they and and like you said also in the book like we need this if we if we ah. if the millennials are not coming in you know if you're not pulling the millennials into your business eventually you won't have a business exactly you won't <laughs> no and um, so anyway, for um, and for the millennials to know, too, I think it's so enlightening what you say in here and to, for them to also see the perspective of the of the baby boomer and how, you know, just it's generations and communication needs to happen and things can really come together fairly easily. And you can make a difference and have an impact in the business, mm -hmm. in the world, whatever company you work with. Totally um, agree. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you so much. So again, her book is Millennials and Management, The Essential Guide to Making It Work um, at Home. And you can get it on your Kindle or you can get a hard copy. Um, and that uh, thank you so much for your wisdom and insight. And and, um, and what's the name of your business if people are interested? Oh. We didn't say that. The oh, that's okay. My, my company is called Double Forte. It's www.double-forte.com. And then um, if you're interested in more about this kind of stuff, you can go to my personal website, which is www.leecareher.com. And you can get to my business and my book and my workshops and all that kind of stuff from there.
Great, great. We really appreciate that. And I think we're going to, we're, when uh, this goes out, there'll be some information, there's going to be information um, also listed with it. So, um, so thank you everybody for uh, joining us today. And um, if you feel like you would like more information about this, again, go to uh, Lee's website. And um, if you need more information about Millennials and Money Cafe or myself, you can go to uh, www.marilynomalley.com and um, you can listen to more uh, conversations on Millennials and Money Cafe on iTunes. So thank you so much. And uh, live, love, and matter.